Adam Curry, John C. Dvorak. From opposite corners of Gitmo Nation, time again for No Agenda on this Thursday, February 26, 2009. This is No Agenda. Streaming from Gitmo Nation East from the Crackpot Command Center in southwest London, I'm Adam Curry. And I'm John C. Dvorak here in Silicon Valley North, where it's raining. <laughs> and it's nice and cloudy here in London as well. Yes, important music means important stuff coming your way. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill in the morning. <laughs> hey, John, how you doing? It's good. Yeah, I miss you, man. We well, haven't, we we haven't actually we haven't spoken since the last show, have we? No, no, you've been in meetings. <laughs> no, I have not. Uh, I try to stay away from them. I, I love the meetings we have because um, I've got, you know, I use the same Skype connection that we're using uh, for the show. And so I can completely control everything. I can mix uh, all audio levels. So, you know, I'm usually editing during the meetings. <laughs> Keep it here. Oh, Adam, what? Hey, hey, hey. Saw my name? Yeah, I'm here. Do you uh, ever put a sound effect in? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Usually it's um, it's like a reverb or something, do something funny. But anyway, I try to stay away from too many meetings. I do have one uh, after the show today. Yippee! New word out on the uh, street. A new word. Octomom. <laughs> Octomom. Didn't didn't someone offer her uh, money a to be dollars. a million dollars to be in a porn? <laughs> Yeah, who wants to see that? <laughs> so, who knows? That is. Uh, I'd take the money. Uh, Octomom, who fits in the octobox? You know what the octobox is? I used to. <laughs> the octobox is uh, what they use on uh, CNBC when they have eight people. Oh, oh right, the octobox. <laughs> right, eight people on the screen. Yeah. I've actually seen the decabox where they had 10 people on the screen. Phenomenal. Then you know it's really important, right? And he's like, oh, stop everything. Let me turn up the volume. They've got the octobox, honey. Shh. The octobox. It's <laughs> bad enough. So I'm so, uh, uh, yeah, top go. of the news. Let me get to the story. It's breaking as we speak. Oh, okay. stories are coming one after another. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait. Breaking news. This is no agenda. We have breaking news. John so C. Dvorak with breaking news. <laughs> breaking, breaking news in this case uh, is uh, uh, no pun intended because we're talking about cow flatulence again and uh, sheep belching. So there's a breaking aspect to it. Okay, hit me. Apparently, according to all these articles have just showed up. In fact, in today's Wall Street Journal, it turns out that sheep belching may account for 12% of man-made uh, global warming. <laughs> okay. Yeah. This is in the Wall Street Journal, you say? Yeah, today's Wall Street Journal. Big Fantastic. story on sheep belching because the sheep apparently belch methane. And then if I, w I was looking this up a little bit, and, it looked, and according to one uh, story, 12% uh, of Australian greenhouse gases come from livestock flatulence. <sighs> Again, another breaking story. Meanwhile, so I'm, I'm looking up all these different these stories, and I run, and you know, if you start scratching the surface of of global warming, or as they now call it, climate, climate change, change, because you know they, the other word is was getting rid of <laughs> wasn't too much. wasn't working anymore wasn't yeah. working, but I, I I like it I still like it global warming it sounds better, so uh, if you scratch the surface of it you keep coming up with the same thing, 
vegans with an agenda and vegetarians. Uh, as though somebody came up with this neat idea some years ago that if you blame, you know, if you get onto this global warming kick, then you can attack livestock because at some point, you know, because of their belching and farting, uh, there's, you could attribute global warming to them. And so I run into the, uh, the newspaper in Ontario called The Standard. St. Catharines is the town, St. Catharines Standard. And I think the headline kind of like says it all. And it's about global warming, but the, the headline is, we need to solve the, now quote marks, meat problem. Ah, yes. I have a meat problem that I need solving too. And you can email me. <laughs> <laughs> This is unbelievable, but it, it makes so much sense because, you know, we know that this satellite failed to uh, separate from the, the payload yeah, from the cone. How this, ironic. Yeah, this was the big fail. This was the satellite that was actually going to measure the uh, sheep belching and cow flatulence as a part of man-made climate change from space. You know, it's out of control. I wonder what was going on during the era where the entire Western Plains were covered with millions and millions and millions of bison. Well, they, 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 you know, surely you know that bison... They must they have don't, farted. No, they don't fart, man. No. By the way, I have done uh, quite a bit of sheep shearing in my day. When I was uh, much younger, we lived uh, just south of Amsterdam in a small farming village. And it was a lot of fun, really, you know, the old-fashioned way uh, with shears. And, and uh, I have uh, held many a sheep between my legs. <laughs> there, there's a great drop for you. I've held many a sheep between my legs, but I've never heard one belch, ever. Have you? Well, no. Actually, we have a sheep. And does he uh, belch? I've never noticed it. Hmm. Maybe when they go, bah, that's actually a belch. <laughs> well, I, th I think I can tie a couple things together. Sounds like a belch. The meat problem. I, I I like that that you've latched on to that because uh, I've it's it hit me uh, earlier this week that the smart grid it's it has it of course it has to do with energy power but it has to do with a lot more and I started looking into it into uh, the smart grid now a lot of the money for the smart grid will be dished out by an outfit called, I'm sure you've heard of them, the Western Area Power Administration. Have you heard of them? No, actually, I haven't heard of them. Oh, okay. Wow. Well, the Western Power, uh, Western Area Power Administration, um, I'll read, I'm just reading from their website, wapa.gov, part of the government, um, uh, as a part of the Recovery and Reinvestment Act of 2009, which, of course, is the uh, the big stimulus package. Uh, it grants the Western Area Power Administration the authority to borrow up to $3.25 billion from the U.S. Treasury. It has a whole bunch of... Uh, basically, they hand out the grants. And so as I'm, I'm looking through, uh, you know, just going down as deep as I can, right? Any grants we can get? <laughs> well, <laughs> interesting... So they, 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 they're handing out a lot of money to uh, GE and IBM. These are the two corporations who are going to receive most of this smart grid money. And uh, IBM writes about, well, here's a little piece from IBM as it, as it uh, pertains to their grant. The world is becoming instrumented. By 2010, there will be a billion trans 
transistors per human, each one costing one ten millionth of a cent. The world is becoming interconnected with a trillion networked things, cars, roadways, pipelines, appliances, pharmaceuticals, and even livestock. The amount of information created by those interactions grows exponentially. And as you look through it, a part of this smart grid will be tracking livestock. Ah. So, of course, how do you track livestock? And, and also livestock feed, I'm sure, is going to be a part of it. So when you track livestock, it's very simple because even my pets are chipped. They all have a little chip inserted, and it's an RFID chip, and they can, uh, they can track each individual piece of meat, all a part of the meat problem. That is not far from embedding it into humans, John. Then we're very, very close to a complete global matrix that just hovers around us, being tracked everywhere. So this smart grid, I think, needs... Well, a... you already have that with you, but it's being done through your phone. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, and because we talked about that, about my, uh, my Nokia, and I'd installed Google Maps uh, with Latitude. And by the way, after the show, battery has not run down. It stopped. Oh, they probably disconnected it remotely. And then I'm reading about Nokia. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I, got a, I got a lot of time between meetings. So I'm reading about Nokia. <laughs> Do you know that they got a half a, half a trillion, uh, what was it, was it 500? I'm sorry, I may be wrong. It was 500 million, half a billion, yeah. They got a half a million, billion. sorry, half a billion euro loan from the EIB the European Investment Bank, who, by the way, whose charter is to help out small and medium enterprises. I don't think Nokia quite qualifies as a small and medium enterprise. God, I wouldn't think so. By the way, EIB also stands for the Excellence in Broadcasting yeah. Network. <laughs> Rush, Limbaugh. Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> <laughs> so the EIB, which, uh, you know, God knows, you know, it's a part of the European Union. They're a shareholder in this bank. You know, so they're just they just hand out this money to Nokia. Well, not handing out. It's a loan. But, you know, the implications, I think, are pretty severe when you think about, you know, so what if the, what if the EU says, hey, Nokia, you know, here's this money, but, you know, put this chip in instead of that one. You know, use our souped-up version. I mean, who, who, who protects us from that? Who checks on that stuff? Is there a way to check? Can you log? Can you see what your phone is doing? I'm, I have serious security concerns about this. I think in your case, you should. Yeah, but in general, it's not just me. Look, I'm not, I'm sorry for saying that. I'm not worried. Let's be clear. <laughs> it's my new one. <laughs> I say it to my Look. wife now all the No, no, it's, I want to be very clear. Let's be clear yeah, now. <laughs> he said that a number of times. He also said, by the way, that he, one time during this speech, which we're going to get into later, Obama did go off camera, off script, and when he did his little ad lib, it was like a one sentence ad lib about something. Mm hmm. He actually did it twice. The other one was it. a joke about Joe Lieberman or about Joe Biden. He said, look. Yeah. <laughs> so I, one time he I, went off off script. He had to say, look. I'm pretty sure that the Joe Biden uh, quip was written in there. It could have been. Yeah, because I, I, I read the transcript, which I think came out almost simultaneously. Is that what does he hand the speech to the Speaker of the House and the Vice President when he comes in? What's in the manila envelopes that he hands to them? Check for a million dollars. <laughs> <To> shut up. <laughs> one of those big phony checks that unfolds. Here, Joe. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's not just Joe Biden, the vice president. It is our stimulus czar. 
Yeah, stimulus. Stimulus. The guy who doesn't who doesn't know what the how the internet works. Apparently, we've discovered that Joe Biden. I love this. Doesn't know what a website is. Now we're talking. Now, if this was a Republican administration, they would be all over this. I have it for you. Hold on. I saved it. I saw you put it on uh, on Dvorak. In fact, I I just cut it into a Mevio today for tomorrow. It's so funny. Here it comes. This is Joe Biden being interviewed on CBS Early Show. Uh, about uh, reco- and, but by the way, the journalist is a is a douche is a douche. I mean, listen to her; <laughs> it's so stupid. By the way, do you know the website? You know, I'm embarrassed. You know the website number? I, uh, <laughs> you know, I should have it in front of me, and I don't. I'm I'm, right. I'm actually embarrassed. I'm going to call your well, office directly too no, and get it, it later. It, it, it is recovery.gov. Recovery.gov. Is that up and running gov. already? So. A couple observations here. First of all, maybe Joe's really smart, and he's saying he actually means the IP address. You know, maybe he was just. Oh, tri- that'll be all. Please. <laughs> Do you know the IP address of uh, of that website? Because he's a command line hacker, obviously. But then to have the interviewer say, "Is that up and running already? Is she under a freaking rock? Is that up and running already?" Well, maybe she was trying to, maybe she was doing her job trying to catch him saying, I don't know, when the fact, of course, has been running forever. Well, and it's still stagnant. How long have I been looking at this thing? For three weeks? No change. Announcements. The last announcement was still uh, February 18th. Well, it reflects the recovery itself. But he he keeps using this, and it keeps being said, and and showing up in conversations with people, particularly on Twitter, Say, well, you know, hey, man, that's transparency. We got recovery.gov. Yeah, but they actually have to put something on it. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, anyway, so Biden, uh, by the way, I saw you, you another thing that was kind of weird, because I saw you use this on the show the other, uh, I get yesterday or whenever, is the, is the, uh, the new Broadway play, um, about uh, oh, uh, Shrek, Shrek the musical, Shrek the musical, where it's just a lot of belching and farting, talking about the, it being thematic for today's show. Apparently, yeah. uh, wh- what are they thinking? Do I want to go to a Broadway play to watch some f- weird-looking fat guy farting with his girlfriend? It just doesn't sound like entertainment to me. I think kids like it. Ugh. yeah. I don't know. You shouldn't be encouraged to like that crap. It was anyway. it was cute. It was funny. Wasn't it? Uh, it wasn't funny at all. Yeah, you're a grumpy old man. Maybe. You don't like In you don't case, fart. Yes. I like you don't fart. My farting's got nothing to do with it. I'm not going to go do it on stage. Yeah, it depends on how much they pay you. Hmm. <laughs> so, uh... <laughs> the, hmm. hmm. <laughs> well, hold on a second. Curry's gone to something here. <laughs> So let's go over the speech, unless you got something else to say. Oh, I got tons of stuff, but I'd love to go over the speech with you. This was okay. The, well, I got the speech play by play. I don't want to bore people stiff, so I'm going to put my, give myself a ten minute time limit. Let me, okay, let me let me just set it up for you, because we have to. We need a little bit of background. It is highly unusual for a new president to address um, Congress this joint soon. Session. Yeah, a joint right. session. Isn't this normal? Why everybody called it a State of the Union speech? What is with everybody? It's it wasn't. It wasn't a State of the Union. No, it was a. It was an address to the joint sessions of Congress. But everybody, newspapers and bloggers and everyone between oh, here and the there. Union. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't. And 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 when I look at this through my European eyes, man, it's no wonder people think we're dicks. I mean, this this is it's absolutely 
an atrocious show. I mean, all it is is, oh, let's stand up and clap again. Oh, let's stand up and clap again. We're going to lead. Oh, let's stand up again. Oh, yes. It's just like, I mean, don't don't you feel that? Oh, it starts off, I thought I was watching an NFL game. (laughs) For for one thing, it began late. He was 15 minutes late on his delivery, but that's beside the point. It starts off, and by the way, I was watching it on Fox initially, and I I could barely take looking at Shepard Smith, because that guy has, if anybody has reptilian eyes, it's this guy. Shep Smith. Shep Smith, Studio B. That's right. We're going down to New Orleans. By the way, consumer confidence down to 25%, lowest since 1967 when the index was invented. Okay, so Nancy Pelosi's up there. She looks like Cher. <laughs> Her hair is definitely somewhat out of control. And she's got, and so she got, I, she got a huge chest, she, at least in that uh, outfit she had on. Yeah, well, it's probably stuff with uh, Kleenex. Mm, anyway, wads, so, wads of uh, money. Wads of money. <laughs> so anyway, so it starts off, and they bring in these these guys and make an announcement. And then they bring in the Supreme Court, who it looks like they're bringing in a football team, <laughs> and with a bunch of people on the either side leaning over, high fiving, saying, pointing, da 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 da. And they come through, you know, these guys, and they're applauding them, and they sit down, and then they go on and on and on. And then they bring in Obama, who comes in like a football the quarterback, and there's all these guys leaning over, shaking his hand, patting him on the back, high fives, you know, knuckle punches, the whole thing goes on <laughs> fisting, and on and on. Fisting. <laughs> it's unbelievable. And so they finally get, and he's pointing, by the way. He's pointing yeah, he over is, here. Like, he is like Arsenio Hall, kind of like, hey, man, I see you over there. Yeah. How you doing? Hey, hey, yeah. hey, hey. He's pointing, he's pointing, he's pointing. And I'm just <laughs> but, thinking, but what you is know, this that, That's shit? okay. I'm okay with that. I mean, it's, it's okay to have a president who's... Kind of in this century. I'm not, yeah, not okay, a huge fine. Yeah, pointing is in the century and coming in high fiving you and to give a speech. So he goes up and he does standing ovation, big standing ovation. He's up there. It begins. He gets up there about six ten. He goes on for about five minutes before he actually gets started. Six fifteen. Everyone's standing o, standing o. So every now now he starts to. Uh, he just makes it starts to make his intro, and everybody jumps back up and gives him another standing o. Then they go down, and then he and then he mentions Michelle up in the audience, and they give her a standing no, no, ovation. I, I, so it was uh, Speaker of the House, Vice President, right. members of Congress, and I believe the First Lady is around here somewhere. I mean, it was slick, dude. Come on, that was slick. It was Why slick. It, does she get a standing ovation? What did she do? She's well. I'm not even going to say it. <laughs> She's doing plenty. So she okay. So you think she deserves a standing ovation from Congress? Well, it just goes to no. It just goes to show all how right, lame anyway, it is. They all know? sit down again. Then he uses the word "we will rebuild." Standing ovation. Yeah. Rebuild what? Our leadership of the world. That's what. That's the message. We will lead. We will lead you. The rest of the world. We are in charge of you. He makes mention as he goes on. He makes mention about how regulations were gutted. Implying that it had to do with the um, Bush administration. Most of the banking crisis stems from the Clinton administration. Demo- when he first Democrats. got in office, the first yeah. thing he did, what the first thing that Cl- first thing Clinton did when he got elected was he changed the regulation against interstate banking. We used to have in, no. It was a, there was a provision. Bank of America, if it was in California, it had to stay in California. You didn't have these national right. banks. Right. You didn't have these competitive banks that were in every city around the country buying each other up because supposedly, according to Clinton, we needed this to be. Be 
uh, more competitive in the world banking wor- uh, market. The fact of the matter is we had three of the biggest banks in the world p- with that old system in place. Then by the end of Clinton's term, he repealed the Glass-Steagall Act, which was put in place by the Roosevelt administration to prevent an economic meltdown. Anyway, yeah. and then, of course, the bankruptcy laws were changed thanks to Joe Biden. So he was one of the main guys on that. Mm-hmm. So, But that's okay. Blame Bush for this. It's fine. The Republicans didn't do a very good job, let's face it. So if it goes on and on with standing O after standing O, up and down, up and down. You think you're in a Catholic church at midnight mass. <laughs> so the uh, next thing that happens is that finally he starts to get into some partisan stuff. And so now all of a sudden he only gets a half a standing O. The Republicans stay seated, mm-hmm. which I thought was kind of interesting. He brings up to save or create 3.5 million wow. jobs you know, with this yeah. bogus. By the way, that number keeps changing. Now it's 3.5 million. Well, it was it was three. Four, it was four. Two, and then, it's yeah, now five, it's 3.5. It was 2.5. Anyway, but the BBC um, on their their news ticker uh, forgot to uh, add the create part, so they were just saying Obama colon save three million jobs. Uh, so it's already morphing. It's morphing. Uh, then he's, we, he the speech keeps going. You know, it's the same pretty much as a standard speech. I, it was very good. I mean, the guy's a great speaker, especially compared to Bush. I heard the uh, the you know the the kid who writes his speech. I read in Financial Times. Uh, yeah. That he was standing in the corner with his BlackBerry and he was literally mouthing the words, you know, like he was lip syncing along with Obama. Because, of mm. course, he wrote it. This always reminds me when you go when you do a TV shoot and you got two people, one of them is an amateur and you're walking off a prompter and one person's talking and the other one's lip, mouthing kind of it. Yeah, mouthing <laughs> along with the words. I know. Yeah, yeah that's, that was kind of what it was. In fact, uh, one's We're reading off a teleprompter and the other one's not. And he's mouthing along. Yeah, well, he wrote it. So then they also have, he says something about nobody messes with Joe, and he gets a standing ovation. Yeah. And then, which I was like, why? And so, you know, can't you idiots sit down for a minute and just listen to the speech? Well, because he Joe is, is, a, is a mafia Don, man. He's a, he's a big, big man on campus. Everyone wants to got to show his respect to the Don, kiss the ring. Lending, he got a standing O for saying lending fund, whatever that means. Meanwhile, they put a camera shot on Joe Lieberman, who was kind of rolling his eyes throughout the speech. It was kind of humorous. Mm. Uh, I'm re- I was reminded right about this point of the, uh, you know, this this thing where we're going to do this. We're going to, you know, they, uh, the, all these kind of th- threats against the executives. Uh, oh, yeah. The, you, you can't uh, get a nice little washroom, no makeover, yeah, forget your forget your fancy jet because it doesn't compare to an $11 billion helicopter fleet. And so uh, I'm, I was reminded of the Jimmy Carter uh, uh, banishment of the three martini lunch. Uh, similar kind of, you know, uh, what are these people doing? They're drinking martinis at lunch. My God. By the way, Hillary Clinton was wearing hot fuchsia. <laughs> I, somebody, somebody mentioned this before, that once Hillary stopped running for office, she could go back to the way she likes to dress, which apparently is more like a neon sign than anything else. <sighs> and so she's wearing this hot fuchsia dress, which is enough to blind you. And I think it was actually illegal for NTSC uh, television. It's out of the color scale, the spectrum. Out of the, but she, you know why she wears it. I mean, you know, you know politics is show business for ugly people. She, that's why she wants to make sure that you see her, that your eye is drawn to her. It's one of the oldest and, tricks in the book. It's like the red tie or the blue tie. 
Exactly. So she's when they pull back the camera, you could see in Congress there was her in the front with this fuchsia dress. But you could see at least one other person, possibly two, also wearing the same gosh awful color. And then a third and fourth person wearing like red, you know, in the middle of this kind of very uh, dour looking group. All right. What else? What else? uh... Well, I got the impression watching that, that, you know, I would like to recut the speech. And then instead of having all these standing ovations, you cut to a clip from a Betty Boop cartoon of that audience that that's clapping and going crazy with the, you know, the hippo in the front and the yeah. elephant and all yeah. these. Because I think it would fit right right in there. He did mention the carbon cap. Yeah, which, the, cap, uh, the, the cap and trade scheme. Right. Yeah. Cap and trade some bullshit. And then that got a double standing ovation when Biden got up well, but, and started clapping. But the cap and trade is essentially a tax. I, I did some reading on him. See if I can find the link for it. Uh, but but essentially they expect it to fund a lot of the budget. So that means it's a form of a tax. Yeah. Well, everything's a form of a tax. They just come up with a new way of making it, you know, sneaking it in on the stupid public. <laughs> Somehow, though, I got a kick out of this. He snuck in the word. And I think this was, you know, this was a little bit of uh, Octo- nobody noticed. He, he didn't sneak in Octomom, did he? <laughs> no. Uh. He snuck in the, ter- the term clean coal. Mm. Yeah, I did hear that. Yeah, he snuck that in. And then, of course, he caught everybody off guard with the bogus pronouncement that we somehow invented, invented the, the automobile. automobile. I love that. It's like, what? <laughs> what? What? That's what I said when he said it. But you'd be amazed, John, how many people believe that? Oh, I'm sure. Uh, whereas well, uh, now that I'm sure even more believe it now that he said it. Well, the claim, of course, is that uh, Henry Ford um, invented the uh, production assembly line. Yeah, and really the mass-produced vehicle, but of course it was right uh, the Jeep Junker. Yeah, it which was, is you know what we're still known for to this day. Of course, it was uh, uh, German guys like Benz and Daimler and Maybach who uh, right. who invented the automobile. Yeah, no, the Germans were way ahead of us on that. They, I think they still uh, are actually. I think the Japanese are ahead of everybody. Sorry to tell you, to, to bad news for the Germans, but I don't think anybody makes a better car than the Japanese. Um, and, you know, they got the hybrids out and all this other stuff. I just not... <laughs> they, got, they rolled out the hybrids. Well, you know, you know, they, it's, they still make V8 engines that are, that are unbelievable. I mean, that engine in the Lexus, a V8, the thing has got – when I was a kid, we used to <sighs> – you know, go. V8s used to be the big deal. You had to have a V8, but you, and you'd soup them up as best you can. But you could never – to get one – to get one horsepower – Per cubic inch was like you had a race car essentially. I mean, to get yeah. to that, to get just to amazing. that, that yeah, level, yeah, yeah. Well, these uh, these Japanese have gone way beyond that, and it's and the car and the engines run smooth as glass. It's just like, how does that work? Uh, I mean, you have a four liter engine with uh, two hundred fifty horsepower or three hundred horsepower in the newer versions, and uh, well, it's because they're, they're, more- they're using Wankel engines. That's why. They're not using nobody. Uses. They only have that one crappy <laughs> Wankel engine. But at least they tried it. <laughs> I once had a, a model that I built of a Wankel engine, a plastic yeah. uh, kit model. Yeah, it was cool. And it, you know, with a little battery, so it actually ran. You could understand the principle of the Wankel. But I just like saying it, Wankel. Yeah. yeah. Mm, I, come I'm, over I'm here, baby. I'm sure you do. Touch my Wankel. 
By the way, I got a meme out of this, which I think you're going to run into it here and again. Yeah. There's, by the way, a game called Obama Bingo now. Uh, how many times <laughs> is he going to say this and that? Yeah. But this is the meme. It's not a Democrat issue. It's not a Republican issue. It's an American issue. Yeah. I thought that was a good one. Yeah, and uh, and it's the men and women who sent me here, not the Americans, not the people. Now, you know, this, it was a good speech. Uh, I didn't hear anything new. I mean, I like to get down to the numbers. Most interesting, of course, is that amidst all of uh, what what has happened this week, um, a, a bill was introduced that I think gets voted on today or tomorrow, the omnibus bill, which uh, is kind of under the radar. Of course, it's only $410 billion, so it's hardly worth mentioning. Nothing, nothing. Are you familiar Peanuts, with the uh, with change. the omnibus bill? No, tell me. The omnibus bill... Um, which is is just being rammed right through, no problema, is um, Pelosi calls it all the stuff we had left over from the previous administration. So it's like eight and a half thousand basically earmarks all jammed into one bill, which they call the uh, omnibus bill. This is where they bill. put the pork. This, okay. this is all the pork is here. And I mean, it, it's just outrageous when when you read the stuff that's in here. Um, hold on, I just have to bring it up. I mean, what's nice about all the transparency, of course, that we have these days is you can actually get all these documents and and download them. Uh, yeah, and, and, so and the five uh, people who do that. David Obey, House Appropriations Chair, wants to rebuild Carnegie Library building in Medford, uh, reconstruct <laughs> historic lighthouses. Let's see, a perimeter fence around Roundtree Airport in Alabama. You know, but, you know, $410 billion worth, and no one's talking about it. No one's talking. It even has a cool name, Omnibus. It's, it's and, you know, it's just, wow. the news is not covering it, It's uh, and it gets a vote, I believe, today or tomorrow. So you know, now we've just completely lost track, other than the total number, which actually was just announced, the total uh, 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 the president, uh, this administration's budget, one point seven five trillion dollars, yeah. is uh, is the uh, the total budget, and I'm sure the four hundred and ten billion is a part of it, but it's just mind boggling. You know, it's just it's stuff that we don't need. I mean, yeah, I mean, come on, do the historic lighthouses in five years? They'll still be historic. Yeah, and there'll still be lighthouses. Yeah. And I don't think we need another fence. But anyway, I'm sure there's some really good stuff in there. I should plow through that myself. Yeah, well, uh, oh, the links will be in the show should... notes. I've, I've got the links for it. Okay. In a, as a part of this whole week, was just amazing to watch, uh, not to be outdone by the G20, which, of course, over here, there's you know, a lot of stuff going on uh, in regards to um, to the financial crisis. Europe is, is, is you know totally preparing to launch something big. They're all in cahoots, <laughs> and they're and they're being real, you know, real hush hush about it. But when you know, coming out with dumb statements, but not to be outdone, uh, the Obama administration had their own financial summit, which just like appeared out of nowhere. And um, I, I I've been twittering, I've been searching, nowhere could I find it. But um, again, in the Financial Times, there was a, a fantastic little piece there that said that uh, Lawrence Summers, who of course is the head of the uh, the president's economic advisory board, that he fell asleep on the podium. <laughs> 
and uh, and I, I you know kind of like the the Japanese finance minister. So like, wouldn't it be great to have those two guys you know in a video next to each other? But I just couldn't. No one has it apparently, or it's been you know um, embargoed. But he, uh, uh, this guy apparently falls asleep a lot. And he's probably got narcolepsy. Yeah, they call him Lawrence of Absurdia. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Well, he, let me uh, just finish my little rundown here. Sure, sure. So we can get out of it. So anyway, I'm just this is the point where there's I think about two thirds of the way through. All of a sudden, there it is. Here we come. We're going to do some uh, like make people feel good. There's Sully. Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. Yep. So, but he, he was. Um, Pelosi invited him. him. Yeah, well, I, I, you know what? There is a reason, John. I'm so glad you brought this up. So Sullenberg and the co-pilot, his name uh, evades me for a moment. I'll get to that. Um, we're at the house on right, a on a, yeah on a on a special FAA meeting, and it, it's it's just it's amazing the things that came out of that um, out of that meeting, which was on C-SPAN. Essentially, Sullenberg, Sully's message was, you know, if we don't take care of the the, the pilots' union and uh, and all the other unions, if you know, if we don't uh, you know put our money where our mouth is and uh, and keep these people happily, gainfully, and properly uh, employed and properly compensated, you know, we just can't promise your safety. That was essentially the message. He's literally saying, you know, well, you know, there's going to be new pilots who are less experienced and have been rushed through the system and. Basically, you know, I guess he's on the. This was a a ploy for the for the unions. But basically, he was saying you got to pay up or forget about it, or you, you'll just have no safety. And well, uh, of course, and they can point to that flight in uh, that one that was mysteriously crashed with that nine uh, eleven woman aboard. What uh, What was funny the continental though? flight. Yeah. Yeah. What was funny though is. Um, the uh, the co-pilot who was also there, I'm looking for the uh, for the exact quote. Also, the uh, air traffic controller was there. I mean, the the, the whole trifecta. And uh, so they're talking about this this bird strike. Now, I promise I wouldn't talk about it anymore, but it's highly unusual. Let's put it that way: for both engines to be snuffed out by birds. You can Google or look on YouTube. You can see how they test these engines. They actually shoot frozen turkeys into the engines, and the engines are fine. They don't stop. You know, frozen turkeys. Okay, it's it's like so these these engines can handle some some bird strikeage. But normally, you, if, particularly if you went through a flock of geese, which were so large that they snuffed out both engines, there would have been other hull damage, and you don't see any damage at all. And then the co-pilot says, this was the biggest bird I've ever seen. <laughs> he says it in his statement. I'm like, what is this, big bird from Sesame Street flying through the air? You know, if you're flying, and you know, when you're driving along, you might, might have had a bird hit your windshield. It's really hard to assess uh, the size of the bird. When it hits your windshield going 50 or 60 miles miles an hour. So imagine going 150, and it's not against your windshield. It's apparently two of these big birds in your engines. I mean, the whole thing just smells. And it doesn't smell of rotting bird flesh, which is what they also claim they could smell. Well, it's possible that they hit a flock of pterodactyls. I'm thinking this is a war. There's a war going on between Airbus and Boeing. And they're just bringing each other's planes down at random just to prove that they, the other <laughs> oh ones. You heard about this Turkish air flight that crashed at Schiphol Airport yesterday? Yeah, I heard about that. Nine people dead at least. Yeah, horrible, uh, horrible scene. But, of course, 
there's there's two interesting things about this mishap, this accident. One uh, that I found out about it on Twitter before anything else hit, and it was uh, you know the, the all the pictures that uh, the new the cable outlets were showing were all twit pics, and so it kind of shows that we've built our own news network around the established media. Which is interesting because you know literally just Twitter went crazy. You know, there's enough interconnections with people you follow that and retweeting going on that it works. And and it was definitely well known to lots of people before it hit the mainstream media. And so, ten minutes after this this crash takes place, I'm already over at uh, liveatc.net because they they um, record all three frequencies of uh, Schiphol air, air traffic control. So they've got you know ground. Delivery. They've got um, approach, and then they have the tower. And so I start downloading, uh, and and they do it by half hour. So you can you know just say, oh, give me this half hour archive. So it's Eham one, two, and three, and I get one and two, and so that's approach and, and ground. This is what you've been hearing on television, you know, where the guy says, oh, we have a major emergency here, airplane down, etc. And you also hear the handoff from approach to the tower, but the tower recordings offline ten minutes after the incident. Not available. I've been following all the news conferences. They say, no, 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 that's not going to be released until we're ready. And and just looking at this accident, John, um, you know, there's very – I can rule out a lot of stuff, and I can tell you what I think it is, and I actually I blogged about it. Uh, but once again, you know, why do these authorities always – withhold certain bits of information you know it's public it was out it's public airwaves just let us hear it why don't you why won't you let us hear what what the tower said what was said you know between the the 10 mile the 10 miles out and uh and the 2000 feet from the from the threshold why won't they let us hear it it just it, it really irritates me I, mean, I we noticed so what is the uh, what is your take on it fuel starvation Fuel starvation? Yeah. So that means that they were out of fuel um, on on uh, on their final approach. Now, this is... I'm only saying this because I've heard this from sources who really would are in the position to know, who work uh, at Schiphol, and, uh, and it's consistent with a lot of things, like no no fire um you know upon uh upon impact i mean a whole whole bunch of things and yeah. also these guys were really they were really booking they were going very very fast you even hear, you hear the approach uh controller say well you're going pretty fast for that approach but within limits go ahead and, you know turn 220 to 18 right and that's the last we have a recording of Hmm. But yeah. but and but you know it, it's a big deal because Turkish Airlines is a state-run uh, company. You can't just go around making accusations, obviously. Right. Um, but it's it just oh you know why why would they pull that offline and what what are they gonna what are they gonna say the the reason is you know will they give us any reasonable explanation already? They're saying well it could take a year to figure it out. Let us just hear that one piece of audio. Maybe maybe there's something in there. Yeah, like we're out of fuel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what is it? What kind of plane was it? Seven three seven Boeing seven three seven eight hundred, relatively so new so aircraft. Our, so we have our Boeing down, uh, Airbus down. So it'll be Airbus will be Airbus next. Airbus will again. be next. I will say that you know very much like the Airbus, which had problems the previous day or or two days before, 
Uh, this aircraft also had, uh, it actually had, they aborted a, a takeoff a day before with this aircraft because something that unspecified as of yet what was wrong. Um, so anyway, I, uh, was anybody interesting aboard that, uh, well, there were a couple of Boeing engineers, mm. but, uh, I don't think that, well, of course, every single person is interesting, you know, yeah, I know. <laughs> every human life any, is like, interesting like, and it's like a horrible, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a great, horrible thing. I feel, feel, is there a banker on there? With, yes, know, yes, the, yes, there was a banker on board. I saw the, um, there were a couple of reports. B.O.B., banker on board. <laughs> I'll take the next that's, flight, that's thank you. <laughs> Excuse me, sir, are you a banker? Uh, miss, miss, <laughs> could I leave the aircraft? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, horrible accident, but um, just really irritating. that that. And you still can't get to any of the uh, tower archives for the entire day. Huh. So, you know, it's like, and, and I'm, I don't know who runs, live, I don't think it's the FAA or anybody who runs uh, liveatc.net. I'm not quite sure who runs it, you know, but someone's taken something off for a reason. Yeah, well, just it just makes people more suspicious. I don't know why they bother Precisely. doing that. Precisely. And, and when they're, and they do this press conference, of course, I speak Dutch, so I can, you know, follow a lot of the, um, you know, I, I can read the body language and the tone of voice, and they're irritated that the, 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 um, journalists are saying, hey, when, when are you going to release the tower audio? Well, it's a part of an ongoing investigation. All right. All right, then. Hmm. All right, so back to the, let me finish up my uh, rundown of the speech. Yeah, I'm just injecting some uh, color into it so it doesn't get too boring. No, that's, I think it's a great thing, because just, if I just did this straight up, it would suck. I've come up with the uh, – it would, just, you know, because at this point now we're getting near the end of the speech where he pulls the Ronald Reagan and starts pointing people out in the audience, yeah. you know. Who hey, Sully. Did, did this and that. He didn't do the Sully one, but mm. he did the black girl and some Marine and some uh, somebody else. Oh, this was course, the girl yeah. whose school uh, was falling apart. Yeah and, yeah, and she said we're not quitters, and, you know, she was sitting there. Yeah. And uh, I've decided that, you know, since he's supposedly this is supposed to be his Reagan-like speech, and then they're going to, you know, there's these I, – I get the sense that he's kind of – I think he's going to become the Steven Spielberg of presidents where he, like, keeps stealing, you know, other people's uh, ideas to, uh, you know, pre- to do the way he presents this stuff. Uh, then at the end, which is the – which is over now uh, – the at the end he it takes him forever to get out of the hall because all these people want his autograph including all these members of congress and i'm thinking if you're a member of congress don't you see the president once maybe in two years i mean at least for two seconds can't you get the autograph then yeah i mean it was like he looked like a rock star leaving the place with all these autographs and of course they left that on for a while on a couple of these networks and then we got the the Republican, the lame and pathetic Republican response to all this by who I have to now consider a, a an idiot, Bobby Jindal, the governor of Louisiana, who comes out and basically sucks, reads from a teleprompter. It doesn't sound like he even listened to Obama's speech because he's saying stuff in there. We're not going to do that. Obama never said the stuff he never even said. It was like a comedy act. It was a complete humiliation that they would have him be the representative of the Republican Party. And he's supposed to be the future of the party. I don't think so. This guy, you know, can't read from a prompter. He he was nervous. He reminded his his cadence was exactly like the beaver on Leave it to Beaver. (laughs) Hey, Wally. (laughs) I mean, it was the same kind of weird 
you know, unnatural cadence because he does apparently can't read very well. And, uh, and he had to read from this piece of crap speech that somebody wrote for him. He even said baton rouge. No, really? <laughs> yeah. I wrote this I down in big this. letters. Baton, baton rouge. rouge. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> He also talked about government failures at Katrina and how that then Katrina. He should have said Katrina. That would have been even better. (laughs) He could have. (laughs) Well, actually, Obama made a mistake on the off the prompter, which indicated typical prompter read. Let's see if I have it. He uh, there's certain things that you will do if you're reading off a prompter. You you read words wrong that you would never actually say wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The cadence will be wrong. Uh, it's just anyway, I don't, it's somewhere. You don't know what it is. So he goes on about this. So, so meanwhile, I switch around and I go to MSNBC where they have the you know the the, the great you know apologist for every, all things Democrat, um, Keith Olbermann, Rachel Maddow, and uh, Chris Matthews. And after the after the Jindal speech. They couldn't even attack him. They basically their their jaws were on yeah, the floor. Just dropped open, right? <laughs> like nothing <laughs> left to say. Just rerun it. Just rerun it. That's better than any commentary. Seriously. Mm. They, oh, here's the one for uh, Obama said, "Send instead instead of spend." Oh, really? Did he correct himself? Yeah. No, he did it. It was smooth. I just noticed it. Meanwhile, so then I switched to CNN, who apparently are now using Facebook as their polling mechanism. Well, it's scientific. And they so they they polled 700,000, according to Erica Hill, 700,000 Facebook users about whether this makes them more hopeful or whatever. But what I thought was cool was they, they brought one of the analysts on who was really good, and he... He found the mistakes that Obama made. He said, what is wrong with these guys? Don't they have the fact checkers? And he brought up the car, invention of the car, which I said, ah, CNN rocks because they they brought it up. Nobody else did. Mm -hmm. And then he also said that Obama made the comment that we are now pumping more foreign oil than ever, which is not true. No, it's not true. In fact, in the seventies, we had a, a it was spike that was much more than we're pumping today. Well, but and the so- a consistent theme seems to be um, the reminder, and it, it really seems like a reinforced reminder the way it's delivered every single time. You know, our reliance on foreign oil. This has just got to stop. We need cars that drive on batteries. You know, this is this reliance on foreign oil. Reliance on foreign oil. Do you get any of that? Does it feel like that to you? Oh, absolutely. In fact, the joke of it is, of course, most of our foreign oil comes from Alberta. Yeah, Canada. So, um, anyway. Well, you know what? That's right. We just need to stop doing business with Canada. Oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry. So, anyway, that's the end of that. That's my rundown. I just thought the thing was uh, weird. But it was Jindal. He, like, whatever Obama did wrong, this idiot Jindal comes out and botches and, the and just, response to such an extreme, non-conversational, just to be, a, you know, just everything was, it was just, it was rude, ridiculous, it was stupid, he looked like a, a fool, the Republicans looked like idiots for choosing him, and if they think he's the future of their party, they're in for a surprise, mm. uh, or maybe not, and uh, well, it was they're, just, they're setting up the... The fall guy for the uh, 2012, so that uh, that guy can lose and Obama can continue. I mean, it's logical, isn't it? Well, from the perspective that it's all fixed, yes. Yeah. From my perspective, from from my my walk of life. 
So on the February 25th, they had on, on the on the junk news show Extra, uh, they had a Michelle Obama interview. She's going to obviously start doing stuff with the uh, junk news media. Mm-hmm. You know, Extra, The Insider. Oh, really? Uh, She's doing all that? Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's what it looks like. Yeah. And so they did a thing with her and interviewed her or some softball thing. It wasn't very good. Uh, but she did reveal that she has a, uh, she, she wants, she's starstruck over Will Smith and his girlfriend Jada. Jada. They want to meet them. So, <laughs> so I guess they'll be in the White House in no time. So, <laughs> dude, if I was in the White House, I would be parting it up, man. I'd have Aaron Burnett over every day. Uh, Talking about the Council on Foreign Relations? Yeah, of course. Well, I'd be, what do you mean? I'd be a card carrying member. Are you kidding me? And we'd have to be, or we wouldn't get in. So the, uh, and then they won apparently a Portuguese water dog for their, uh, yeah, 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 I heard about that. Yeah. Mm. That's, that'll, that'll be important news. That'll, that'll keep the, uh, the slaves happy as we just stare mindlessly at programs like, uh, Access Hollywood. Uh, okay. Access Hollywood. So, um, people don't realize that those stories are mostly bought and paid for by publicists. Well, I th- some of them are even pre-edited and delivered on tape. Yeah. Yeah, you don't have to do anything. Just drop it right in. So I, I don't have a jingle yet for the, uh, I think, should we call it like the Old Boys Club or the Golden Boys Club? Someone else um, suggested uh, gold member. It's basically the new people who are being brought into um, the administration who have uh, interesting backgrounds. And... Um, we have a new assistant attorney general uh, who will be in charge of antitrust at the United States Department of Justice. And uh, she uh, she qualifies as a good old boy, Christine Varney. Are you familiar with Christine Varney? I've heard her name. Yeah, uh, probably in the context up, of I've... probably in the context of Google is where you heard her name. Is she from Google? No, um, there was a little little kind of wave meme out there earlier in the week about that. She hates Google. It's, oh, this it, is the Google-hating woman. Yes, that, that would be the one. The Google, the Google. Yes, that is Christine Varney. And if you look at uh, her, uh, a good launching point, although rarely ever true, completely, at Wikipedia, uh, the fr- I love the first sentence. Christine A. Varney is an American lawyer lobbyist <laughs> and Internet policy expert. Now, wait, hold on a second. How yeah, could that be the case? I don't know. You know, Obama <laughs> is not going to put lobbyists in his administration. <laughs> So she has lobbied on behalf of uh, Netscape versus Microsoft. Um, she's cha- or she's board of chairman of the board of directors at Trust E, but I guess she'll, she might have to re- resign that. But in the past, her uh, clients have included eBay, DoubleClick, uh, AOL, Netscape, essentially, you know, all enemies of Google. <laughs> and right, she, and she's bringing that lobbyist pass with her and she's in charge of antitrust i mean it, that Perfect. seems to be kind of a conflict doesn't it i don't know you're gonna to have to ask eric schmidt who happens to be kind of in the periphery <laughs> of the administration what does he think of this uh we should call him you got his number shirley nah, my name's not shirley and i don't necessarily so while i was doing the, some of that research you know the uh, ram emanuel has an interesting family uh, which uh, and I'm, I'm sure people have heard of this, but it's just kind of fun to bring it up from time to time. So Rahm Emanuel, um, of course, his he was uh, 
the um, what do you call it? The uh, the inspiration for that guy on uh, the West Wing. Oh, really? Yeah, this is pretty well known. I'm I'm looking it up now. You know, I never liked watching West Wing. I, I, I kind of liked it. Also, I liked Commander in Chief when uh, What's Her Face was president. That was that was kind of hot. Uh, Gina it's another Davis. movie, another series. I didn't care much for. These yeah. are all just propagandistic crap. So he was the. Um, the inspiration for Josh on the West Wing. Now, his brother, Ari Emanuel, do you know who he is? No. Ari Emanuel is the founder of the hottest talent agency in Hollywood. Uh, who is the model for Ari Gold on HBO's Entourage. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And then you have Zeke. And this guy's also. I'm sorry. So the, what, what you're saying to me as you, as you continue on with this breakdown, with this deconstruction of the family, is that this is a family of of uh, people who don't sit around on their ass watching TV all day. <laughs> no, they make television, man. It's just it's really interesting. And well, now, what's the last one do? What does the last one do? Okay, Zeke. Now they always they always say that he's bringing the family down because there's you no know, no TV character has been modeled on him yet. Uh, he is chair. He's, the, he's the, the the bum. Yeah, really. He's the chair of Department of Bioethics at the National Institute of Health Clinical Center. Oh, she's just lame. Yeah, but just it's interesting how you know because you know Rahm Emanuel. I never heard of the guy ever. You know, who knew that Josh was based on him? It's just yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, well, the whole thing is getting more interesting by the minute. And our new commerce, uh, go ahead. I'm, I'm just saying it hasn't, what have we accomplished, you know, but he's only been, you know, the thing that people, that gets me, by the way, is that, you know, he's only been in office 30 days and you have the, you have two things going on simultaneously. One is that the Democrats say to the Republicans, hey, give the guy a break. He's only been in office 30 days. Yeah. And then you have the Democrats themselves giving this guy standing ovations like he's done so much so much good for the country already. Which is it? Save or create? You pick. Anyway, go on. Uh, we have a new hey. commerce uh, secretary, which I just love. So this is the third guy, right? This is... Uh... It's a woman, isn't it? No, 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 no. Who's the woman that just showed up in the radar? No, that's the antitrust woman. Uh, no, it's somebody else, too. Okay. So, Gary Locke. So Gary Locke. Okay. You should know oh, him. He's Gary from Locke. Washington. Yeah, Gary Locke. Yeah, governor from uh, Washington. Uh, former until, governor. Yeah, former yeah. governor. So, you know, it's a, it's a, I love this choice. So you need a guy for commerce, secretary of commerce. Now, of course, you have to think, what does the secretary of commerce do? Uh, his job is to foster, promote, and develop the foreign and domestic commerce. So it only makes sense. You know, I can just see him sitting around like, crap, man, all the guys we wanted don't want to do it, and, you know, these tax evaders. And you know what? Let's get a Chinese-American guy. Yeah, <laughs> because we need to do commerce with China. Let's get that guy in. He seems like the perfect choice. Yeah, actually, he does seem kind of like the perfect choice. Doesn't mean he knows what he's doing. No, I don't remember his uh, how he did as governor. It wasn't too bad, I don't think. No, he, he, he seems to have a pretty. They got clean a creepy record. governor in there now. That's just a horrible. Some woman. All right, from Gitmo Nation East, then a couple of uh, line items we should go through um, in the uh, Telegraph. 
There's now talk of uh, remote-controlled planes that are typically used in warfare. If you've ever seen these, they they actually launch them by hand uh, from the field. Those are those little ones. Yeah, little ones, and they're completely remote controlled, and uh, they have heat seeking yeah, equipment. They're not the big ones. There's bi- these big. No, it's giant not. It's ones. not a big drone. No, it's not a UAV. It is a UAV, but you know, not doesn't have a huge payload. Yeah, so, actually, I saw a bunch of these on display at some trade show. These little ones you're talking about. They're actually quite interesting. Yeah, it's like a remote controlled airplane, only you know, supercharged. Right, and they go hundreds of miles. They're pretty amazing. So Wacky Jackie, our home office secretary here in the U.K., has suggested that, uh, hey, you know what? This is cheaper than helicopters. Police could use these to gather evidence and track criminals without putting officers at risk. So we're going to have these planes buzzing overhead. (laughs) You know, (laughs) of course, in the United States, that wouldn't work because we're armed to the teeth. Yeah, we shoot them out of the sky. Exactly. We shoot them out of the sky without (laughs) worrying about it. But the you won't be armed um, for the teeth long, though, my friend. It's coming well, down now. You know, I'm sure you've heard about all these bills to take away guns. We'll see. And so um, I love it when you say that. Could you just say it more like pry this from my cold dead hands way? Like we'll see. Now the other thing is, is that it seems to me that if you're going to use these remote control planes, that these things would be ripe. For hobbyists or anyone who, you know, would, if you could, like, throw a net over one of them. <laughs> Capture buildings, one. Capture them. <laughs> and then strip the radio and camera out and turn it and into a device your for your own use. <laughs> I like the idea of target practice, though. It's like it comes down on pull. pull. <laughs> I must say, you know, helicopter traffic is pretty annoying over the city. There is quite a bit of it. There's Why? What kind of crime do that? That they have cameras everywhere. What do you need helicopters for? Well, that's so they, they get the infrared and they want you know they're tracking people down. They have a whole show on it called Helicops or Sky Cops or something like that, all meant to condition you into thinking it's just fine and dandy. Huh. I guess. Um. Also, we you know there's it's almost impossible to keep track of all the deals oh we do have our own uh our own website here that gordon brown launched so in the states of course we have you know we're a little bit more advanced uh in the uk we're a little bit further the agenda has been uh is probably five years ahead of the u.s in many areas so whereas in the u.s we have recovery.gov here we have getrealhelp.co. or gov.uk and uh it's amazing you should go to it GetRealHelp.co.uk. You're going to have a link to that. Now. Yeah, I think it's get. Isn't real? Oh no, RealHelp Now. I think it is. Yeah, I'm sorry. RealHelpNow.gov.uk. And so on the home. Of course, I'll have links in the show notes. On the home page, you know, this is all about help. So real help for business, real help for people. Okay, uh, keeping your home. And so you go to that link on keeping your home. And so it's so one click away from the home page, and it g- then gives you a link. To housing advice from shelter. <laughs> so it has like, here, <coughs> here's how you can try and refinance your mortgage, and here's a link to the shelter service. It's like there's nothing, in, there's nothing in between. <laughs> Homelessness. Find out where to go to help and check whether the council has to house you. Finding a place to live. Understanding the pros and cons of both temporary and permanent options. So you're telling me some, wait a minute, for starters, a guy on the street is now homeless. Somehow he's going to find his way to this website? Realhelpnow.com, yeah, to the website, of course. 
Sure, because he's what on because he took his Wi-Fi uh, laptop with him when yes. he got kicked out, of, he his got kicked out of his house, pushing his shopping cart around. It's really, it's so sad. You know, the, the, it's and so many the media buys into this. Hey, well, but you know what? It's okay because we created a website for it, and 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 they 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 for some reason it's like, oh, okay. Oh, there's a website. Well, then there's something's done, and they'll go and look at the website, and they go, oh, I'm looking at the website. Oh yeah, it's got some stuff here on the website. You know, it's like, it's just, it's... It is stupid. Yeah, no, don't worry. We fixed the problem. We have a website. I love that. Oh, yeah, no, that problem has been resolved. We have a we have website. A we got a website. Yeah, no problem. What else you got? Um, what, what else is on your well, list? Well, uh, I'll, I'll give you another one. Just for the UK stuff. Because we are again, we're it's you, it's amazing. I can almost predict what's going to happen in the United States just after having having obs, observed four and a half years of the yeah, UK. Yeah, it's a test center. It's a, it it's really testing. is. Yeah, it really is. Um, this is from. I don't know if this is from Beaton. Is this Reuters, Yahoo, uh, Press Association? Uh, they're talking here in the UK of the summer of rage. According to a poll, more than a third of voters believe the army will have to be brought in to deal with a summer of rage on British streets as the recession bites. This coming summer? Yeah. Summer of rage. In other words, what, what, what you could interpret here, you could say that because they're already preconditioning people with this bullshit. That's exactly what it is, yeah. Getting you ready. They are, they are actually going to, because they want to test, they are Reaction, actually going yeah. to make, create... Uh, a situation that that makes the summer of, of yes. rage actually happen, happen. Yep. so they can see what they're how they can respond to it and they will ha- it'll be a, like a real world test of the uh of the of the domestic security apparatus so that you then in the United States can look know what to look forward to now if that's if they actually have some sort of riots or whatever they're going to do for the summer of rage you, you know they i, I got to make jingles in, in, i, I got to make jingles hey john we got to make jingles you're like like uh, but really like uh, love fm like coming to you from gidmo nation east it's the summer of rage get your loved one <laughs> on the street for the summer of rage Summer of Rage. Hey, everybody, it's No Agenda. It's JCD and AC in the morning. Hey, we got some tickets here for the Summer of Rage, everybody. Come on, free tickets for the Summer of Rage, up close and personal. It won't do much for the tourist business if they pull this stunt off, uh, unless it's, I mean, they're going to have to deal with the... the backlash. They're probably not considering that. Gordon Brown. They haven't done much for the tourists anyway. They don't want people taking pictures anymore. No, no, please. Gordon Brown's spokesman said the prime minister's view on this. So this is all you're so right. It's so preconditioning is that, of course, he understands people's concerns. And he also understands that people are angry, for example, about the behavior of some of the banks. That's why he is absolutely determined that the government does everything possible to deal with those concerns and help people and businesses get through what is a global recession. And remember, we've got a website. <laughs> just, just be at the end of every press release. And we've solved this problem already with a website called realhelpnow.gov.uk. It's just despicable. It really, it, I throw up in my mouth every morning just reading the news. 
So, uh, yeah, well, it's, it's stuff over there is really funny. You've been around, uh, John. Have you ever witnessed anything like this in in political history or in just in your lifetime? You, you've been through um, one, two, three, 80 years cycles. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> so you've been through a couple of, a couple, <laughs> couple of downturns. Jeez. Have you? I mean, I think the 70s had a lot of elements of this. I think this, you know, it's always a little different. I, I haven't seen so much right? of this fascism uh, because the last time there was a fascist um, uh, thread was in the, the late 20s and early, and, and early 30s, which then, of course, evolved into uh, Hitler. And uh, but, you know, fascism uh, was, became as a kind of a it was a good thing. If you really study it, it was like a good thing. I mean, not to me, but to the, you know, the, the uh, intellectuals, the intellectual class, it was considered like the way to go. And um, hmm. the fascisti out of uh, Italy, you know, they, they managed to, you know, they got the trains going on time. People were happier and all this kind of thing. By the way, talking about this kind of thing, there is a re- – this has fascinated me. There is a re – uh, invigoration of Stalinism in Russia with a number of uh, events that are bringing Stalin back into the fold as a famous Russian, now considered by some of the pro-Stalinist types to be one of the greatest Russians who ever lived. Yeah. And people, and there's all these speeches and they're having all these events and these Stalin conferences. They're all over the place with all these old generals who come out. Ah, was never anybody as good as Stalin. Yeah, it was tough. But they had really? to be tough. And then they, yeah, and then all these youth, these young women and all these, you know, uh, you know, micro garks or whatever they call them, rich people saying, you know, the way I saw it, Stalin couldn't have been that bad of a guy. We needed someone tough or he wouldn't have gotten through World War II anyway. And yeah, he was uh, brutal, but it was brutality that was necessary. And there was all this rationale. And it's like there, it's like a whole load of crap about Stalin that's almost obviously a prelude to letting Putin become the become next, the next uh, Stalin. You know what the, the good news Stalin. is, though? They've got a website called stalinisback.ru. And <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll give you some more. This this is this is really the big news over here in the U.K., although it's already been buried because – and it's really sad, but um, – a David Cameron, conservative uh, leader, the uh, leader of the shadow governments so of the opposition, his uh, six-year-old son died. He had cerebral palsy and it's pretty messed up. And so, you know, government actually shut down yesterday in uh, in observation of, of this happening. Uh, huh. but, it, but it came one day on the heels of Jack Straw, the um, justice secretary. Now, in, uh, I think, a year ago... It was like a year ago, the uh, the House of Lords, or I, I'm sorry, I'm not too familiar with the whole system, or I don't know if it's the Commons or the Lords, but they decided there had to be a freedom of inf- information policy and that they were going to open up transparency. You know, they, they're putting up a website so that you can, uh, you know, the Freedom of Information Act was a, was a big deal. And uh, so, of course, what the Freedom of Information um Sleuths wanted is the cabinet minutes relating to the decision to invade Iraq. And uh, Jack Straw comes out and says, well, we're not going to release that. (laughs) Says, we're not going to tell you that because uh, the public interest in disclosure of the minutes could not supplant the public interest in maintaining the integrity of our system of government. 
it is necess- it is a necessary decision to protect the public interest in effective cabinet government. It, and it, it just it's blown everybody away. So whatever it is, what however this decision came down, either it was so lame that they would all be beheaded because people would find out under what stupid reasoning we uh, they joined the the coalition to go into an Iraq or the way he says it, perhaps we're under such enormous, incredible threat that if we knew how severe it was, we'd all be freaking out. One or the other. I mean, how can it be in between? Right. That has to be the two. I just want to read that again for myself. Okay, I've read it. <laughs> I'll read it out loud. Say that, thanks. Yeah, yeah, No, but it's like... It just blows me away that he's saying the public interest in disclosure of minutes could not supplant the public interest in maintaining the integrity of our system of government. It's just weird, man. The integrity of the system of government. This makes me. This makes me think that it was something lame, like illegal or some illegal you know, move or or something. Yeah, something negative and something that wasn't protecting the public from freaking out. But yeah, some, freak, some freaking out because get, yeah, because it was a lame ass move, right? Yeah, or or there's some corruption involved of some sort, you know, who knows? So, but that's an actual veto from the Freedom of Information Act that he pulled first time he's pulled it, and of course, it's on the one thing that everybody really would like to know. I mean, you know, the uh, the scientist who couldn't find the weapons of mass destruction, he uh, he suicided himself. Uh, remember that? Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, he fell. He, he shot himself ten times in the suicide, something like that. <laughs> shot himself twice in the head. <laughs> and uh, let me see. I want to do some more. Uh, here's another. Oh, Jackie Chan is pissed off about what? Well, apparently they um, they auctioned off the contents of Yves Saint Laurent's uh, French digs. Yves Saint Laurent, the famous. Um, uh, couturier, fashion designer, who uh, passed away recently. So they auctioned off all his stuff, and included in his stuff were um, a bronze rat and a bronze rabbit, which uh, the Chinese government says was stolen uh, and should be returned. But they were sold anyway. And the French are now, you know, the, for the French said, "Screw it, you know, we're protecting it. This can be sold." And it's turning into a minor international flap. And Jackie Chan has come out. <laughs> like when you know Jackie Chan comes out, you know a website has to be next. Oh yeah. But it's, uh, yeah, it's, you know, I don't understand. You know, the Western world relies heavily on China. Like I'd be delivering that, you know, with naked chicks. Here, here, here's here's your sculptures, man. No problem. Sorry about that. And hey, hey, no hard feelings. Well, well most of this stolen art is pretty well documented. Either the, and the French are pretty pretty, you know, into like returning stolen art. I don't understand why they wouldn't return this unless the documentation was either BS, somebody just trying to make off with the things cheap, uh, or something. There's some backstory here we don't know about um, maybe we should look into uh, yeah. it yeah i mean i kind of glossed over the article i just thought it was interesting that jackie chan was uh was piping up there but uh talking about piping up by the way we do need some more uh people to donate to our library presentation so i can write and i'll have the, the slash library thing done this week 
Thanks. The uh, the point is is that uh, it doesn't hurt, you know if you if you listen to this thing we do an hour and a half you know uh, twice a week so it's three hours so doing uh, two dollars uh, a month is and, like and, and notice, twenty five no, cents yeah, for no, a show. Uh, there's there's no commercials there's no ads in here it's all uh, we don't it's dense yeah, it's very dense. So I don't think it would hurt. Go to dvorak.org slash na. And donate and, to the Curry Dvorak Library Project. Right, which is um, just fund or publicly funded. It's publicly funded. It, we're testing the idea. We don't want to do ads. They interrupt the flow of, of our thoughts. And I think it interrupts. Uh, and I don't want to do these promotions anymore. I'd like to stop doing them, but it's not going to, we're not going to for a while because we need to get a lot more people yeah. uh, involved. And we have a lot of listeners and I, you know, it's just a matter of, but again, you know, somebody's listening to this and they're not necessarily at the computer. They might be listening on iTunes, on a iPod, and then they forget because I've, ne- I've always found it very difficult to get anyone to, to, connect a uh, like a TV show to a website or a, a podcast to a website if they're not actually on the computer at the time you just forget to go to dvorak.org right. slash na and and if you if you can't afford it if you you know if if we don't feel like it yet you know we'll be happy with some link love give us a link that also helps yeah something that you found that is weird or just link to us just link to the show that also helps oh, right. that's good. yeah that's, link that's juice actually, give us some right. google google link juice baby Hey, that you know, we should maybe just touch on that briefly because I know you're so anti-cloud, and boy, I was on your side the other the other morning when uh, Gmail became Gfail, and it oh, went, went down funny. for about three hours. Yeah, and I was yeah, and they're, they're, these are the experts. I mean, if you if G, if Google can't maintain a cloud uh, resource, I mean, how is how are these other kind you know these these other sketchy companies, let's say like Microsoft, who you know fails all the time. Uh, going to do it. I will. It I will say that you know I do have a, a pretty good backup system because I don't actually just have a Gmail address. I, I have Google Apps, and uh, that went down as well. But of course, in my well, it did yeah, oh yeah, oh, app. In fact, Gmail proper was coming up before the apps. They did. Oh, they I did. No, that. they gave me a fifteen-hour. Um, what do they call that? Uh, SLA credit or something like that. So essentially, they're getting money back. I mean, they're trying to make up. It was a they did a good job on the uh, the SLA uh, bit, which I was kind of concerned about. But of course, you know the, what you really need to do is, as long as you own your domain name and can access, like you know, like a GoDaddy account. Um, I have two mail records in there, so if the first one fails, then it'll go to a secondary, and then I can pick it up from there. So you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of ways to get around being snuffed out by the cloud. But boy, you know, there was like a hundred million people were just not able to access their email. That's that's interesting uh, problems, which it got it got some ink here and there. But no one's really thinking about what that really means. I, I bet you there was a lot of productivity lost. Yeah, I'm sure. And this is, I think, the uh, sixth time that the thing is crapped out. This was one of the bigger ones, though. Yeah, no, this lasted way too long. It's kind of baffling that they can't get this back up. I mean, was it some... No, I, mean, I, I like, read, yeah, I read through whatever it was, but it, it was... Somehow they they did something new and it activated what they call the dormant bug and... It, you know, it essentially it overloaded their servers. I don't know. It doesn't matter. It, you know, that's mumbo jumbo. And the people who do that shit, man, they're amazing who fix that stuff. 
You know, like our guys. Have you ever called one of our guys in the middle of the night? Yeah. No, I know. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, And they they come out of a dead sleep. Hello? (laughs) Like, hey, hey, man, I'm sorry to wake you up. No, man, it's okay. I'm online. Where are you? It's like, that's all right, dude. Uh, Poor guys. So Bank of Scotland, um, that was the other big one. Had uh, fourth quarter 10 billion pound loss. (laughs) Of course, the Royal Bank of Scotland is now completely nationalized. But what was interesting is that uh, RBS, and this would kind of make sense if you think of all the connections, won the tender for doing all of the Dutch government's banking. Wow. So all the uh, all the uh, internal revenue banking, everything they do, it's a small-ass country, but they do a lot. They do 66 million transactions, the state. And uh, and Royal Bank of Scotland's going to be doing it. It's it's very confusing how all of these things fit together. And what do the Dutch think of this? Can't they do their own they banking? They don't know about it. The, the, Why don't they go through the Swiss? <laughs> no, everyone's well, pull, everyone's pulling out of the one. Swiss. No, no one wants a Swiss bank account anymore. UBS is in in deep deep kimche. Well, they screwed up. But the, I always thought the Swiss were the most conservative of bankers, but I guess not. But the Netherlands really is another three years ahead of the UK, except for the camera part, although that's gathering speed very quickly. And uh, those people are, so, I mean, I love them dearly. You know, I've lived there a long time, but they're so hypnotized. They've got uh, Walter Bos, he's the finance minister, and he just keeps saying, he's like, Hey man, it's fine. No, no, no. ING, it's not a problem. No, this you know, Meanwhile, ING is, you know, had to like sell warrants to the state. You know, no one would buy any of their bonds or anything. They're completely falling apart. You got guys in the financial channel literally saying uh, that uh, the finance, the Dutch finance minister, he would he would call a terminal cancer patient completely healthy. I mean, that's a pretty <laughs> pretty pretty hefty little uh, little quote there. But people wow. that just believe it, and anyone talk to, hey, man, how's it going? Well, yeah, we got the crisis, but we're okay. We're going to be okay. It's like, damn, man, you guys really don't know. You guys so screwed. The whole country bought kitchens and patio furniture on second mortgages. Oh, I feel so bad for them. So somebody brought up the point, which I blogged, by the way, to ask you about what you think about the TSA trying to get involved in uh, uh, private aviation. Oh, we're, yeah. Where um, they want to have the same rules, where you have to, you can't have more than a hundred milliliters of liquid on a private plane because, on your own plane. on your own plane because oh, you could be you could be a. Weren't we just talking about this the other day? It's so easy. I mean, of course, you know, I could pack up my plane with uh, explosives and fly it right into the heart of London. You know, I'd be in there before they could even scramble a jet. Of course, I mean, it's simple, but. The end of the day, the threat is just not as big as it's made out to be, and this is. This could never. Fl- this will. I think you even wrote the quote. This will go away the minute any of these guys gets into their private plane. They got to go through security and you know all this crap. They'll end it unless they get special yeah. exemptions. Well, that wouldn't be good because then you'd have a fuss. So we ran. We ran something on the blog that makes us even more ludicrous. Uh, the TSA. This just is dot today, by the way. TSA says mule skinners need background checks too. Mule skinners. Fed- a federal anti-terror law that requires longshoremen, truckers, and others to submit to criminal background checks has ensnared another class of transportation worker, the mule driver. 
which is which is what a mule skinner is called. They must abide by federal law and apply for transportation worker identification credentials, TSA says. Uh. Yes, the so-called mule skinners, in this case, seasonal workers who dress in colonial garb at a historic park in <laughs> eastern Pennsylvania must apply for biometric transportation worker identification credentials. I guess you could drive one of these mules into the Twin Towers. And, and, and detonate uh, it. <laughs> detonate your mule cart. It, this clearly is a. They're just trying to get at the Amish man. That's what it's all about. <laughs> this damn Amish man. They're dangerous. It's crazy. Somehow the vegans are behind this. I'm sure of it. Are we just way tuned into this stuff, or is everyone else just way tuned out? Or it's, 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 this this is nuts, man. What kind of world do we live in? What's going on? I don't know. I mean, somebody obviously. This you know, these are these these. This the thing that's interesting about the internet is that you know the, this actually showed up on CNN dot com as just you know one of the many stories. Unfortunately, because you you know we don't have the newspapers are dying. The San Francisco Chronicle, oh, yes. by the way, has lost fifty million dollars. They're using, losing a million dollars a week. They can't seem to stop bleeding. Didn't Hearst say they were going to shut it down? They said if they don't sell it, and they actually on January 9th, uh, I think it was the 9th or the 6th of January, they said that if they don't get the Seattle Post-Intelligencer, which is their other paper, sold in 60 days, they're just going to shut it down. Jeez. Now, How long has that now paper they, been around? 200 years? A long time. And the uh, the Chronicle, which has you know been around since the 1800s, uh, they... Uh, Bought them from the other family uh, because their examiner wasn't doing very well, to say the least, and it was losing money. And then they bought from this, uh, the other – I can't remember the name of the family that owned it, but it was privately held. They bought – I think spent $600 million for the uh, paper, which of course uh, – and now it's costing them fifty million a year more just to keep the thing alive. I don't understand how how you can how what where's this money going? I mean, I'd like to. It'd be interesting. I wish these people would open the books to the public so we could examine this to just to see what what's all the expense. I mean, where, where's fifty million dollars well, in a newspaper? Well, going? first of all, paper is pretty outrageous. When I mean, you've seen these, you've seen the rolls of the printer. I mean, you look at that, and then and then the guy will say, "Oh, that's just for today's run." You're like, "What? This entire forest I see before me is just for today's yeah. run?" So I think the yeah, paper is a huge and ink is a huge expense, and and of course people, but. The the real problem is on the income side, because this was basically a business that was being subsidized by classifieds, and that's what the Internet really usurped. The Internet doesn't necessarily have better news capabilities or it's, start, no, it's I don't starting think this is now. Good. I think that, which I think this Mule Skinner story is a good example. I don't think that, that the Internet serves the public as well as a newspaper because there is no – there's no way of seeing the, you know, the, the the stories aren't put in perspective. They're just a million stories. stories and, that yeah. we, and so I mean, with our blog, we can take, uh, you know, some of the stories that are more, you know, it, we, we do mostly kind of weird little stories like this. Uh, and we can kind of focus on that. But, you know, if you're just going to just run, new, you know, news feeds from Associated Press and just and, and not in a non-hierarchical manner. I mean, some of the best stories are bar- oh, some of them. All the stories are buried, which is exactly why this type of program is on fire, because we're bringing up the, the buried stories, trying to put some context around them. Just like two guys who have been around who don't know really anything. <laughs> we, we don't know nothing about much. <laughs> But that, no, but we've seen a lot. 
But but you would and, agree- and we can also spot the BS when because you yeah, know we're sure. both working in an industry that's filled with it. Wasn't there another paper yeah. that uh, that filed for Chapter Eleven? Some other paper folded. I, I, we have Philadelphia to have gotta, paper. I'm sure that there yeah, maybe the Enquirer possibly, but I, the. Uh, we need. There's got to be a website, and somebody could probably Twitter it to us, uh, or you know, there's got to be a website that has a newspaper death watch um, mm, yeah. list. I mean, oh, I mean, yeah. there has to be. I mean, there's yeah. there, you know, there's a journal, journalist out there. I don't know what these people are going to do for work. Uh, an ERC journalist who uh, has put up a you know death watch uh, site for all the different newspapers around the country because they're all doomed. I mean, I was looking at the New York times today, uh, as I was researching the sheep belching story, which mm-hmm. we started the show with, and I'm looking at the, uh, at this one page, they had a, a thing on Brooklyn foodies and how there's a big trend in Brooklyn right now to do, you know, make you know, just a bunch of people that are in Brooklyn doing, you know, the foodie thing, you know, they got special little restaurants and cool this and, you know, butcheries that are on site at the, at the actual place and stuff like that. And they had this picture of all these famous, you know, I guess the superstar chefs and food people in Brooklyn. And there's a photo, big photo at the top of the story. Great story. Very interesting if you're into this. And, but instead of just having a list, here's the left to right, you know, they had a picture of about 10 people. You moused over the picture. Yeah. And every time the mouse hit the person's head, it would light up their name, mm-hmm. which is fine. It's I good. think it's yeah, cool. That's good. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you're a newspaper trying to cut costs, what is the point of this? That yeah. There is no way that this isn't a hand-coded waste of time. There's no, I know, know of no automated uh, system that could do this. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's hand-coded Ajax. <laughs> and so somebody had to map these little figures by hand with the, you know, I mean, sure, maybe not taking a lot of time if you do it a lot, but it's still time, time consuming and it is pointless. You could just have the, le- here's the picture, left to right, there's blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And it's actually kind of more interesting because you can cut and paste that if you wanted to save these people's names. You can't do that with this little Ajax roll. Yeah, less of the fancy stuff for us people putting show notes together, please. Exactly. But the point is, is that here's a paper that's whining. Another paper, by the way, the New York Times is whining and moaning and they want to do this and they want to go all online. And yeah, and they and, and they here do they are throwing. Yeah. Then they do this crap, which is needless. Yeah, it's really neat. I have to say it is cool, but it's it's a stupid waste of time. This costs money. So um, newspaper death dot com. Would you believe it? Is that the name of it? Yep. yep. You'll like it. This is a really detailed site. It's got. Uh, yeah, it's got all kinds. Of, it's got the latest news, the rumors. Here, SF Chronicle on life support. Very funny. They have Obama with "We will recover" on the on the cover. It that's funny. <laughs> that's pretty good. Uh, yeah, I'll take a look. At that we just later. got we just got a couple more minutes, John. So I'll just run through uh, the last bit of notes. I you don't have any more notes, do you? Nope, I'm done. Okay. So I, w- I was kind of amazed, uh, as the president uh, said, you know, I've never had a helicopter before. You know, uh, maybe I've been deprived, and I didn't know it. Uh, boy, oh boy, man. Um, I, I know a bit about helicopters, but if you if you have a budget, and of course this will be removed or changed or whatever, or maybe hidden and still go through, I don't know. But for a fleet of helicopters, okay, so... It was originally 28 helicopters. The original cost that Bush set up was $6 billion. The project is now at $11.2 billion. Um, 
you know, I just can't make the numbers work, John, for 28 helicopters. I, I just can't make it work. I mean, even if, you, if, you, if it was 100 million per helicopter, you still can't get to 11 billion. 11 well, billion maybe dollars. A, maybe it did ref, some of that money is for the infrastructure or for the... Uh, well, you know, well for, usually for the, what this the, is... That includes, maybe that includes all the salaries of all the pilots that you know, pushed out five years. Who knows? I mean, something like that. <laughs> well, usually what this is, is it's maintenance? a great... Maintenance? <laughs> maintenance. Fill her up. Uh, usually it means that they're essentially designing a whole new helicopter. You know, designing a new helicopter could easily cost a billion dollars, but there's still 11 billion. I mean, and yeah, it sounds like a cover for uh, some, the money's going to be, you know, for 11 billion, I want some stick time on that bad boy when it's done. That's (laughs) That's what I want. I want, give me a little bit of stick time. Um, this one caught my eye. I thought it was pretty interesting. Antibodies protect against bird flu and more. Did you hear about this? Researchers have discovered human antibodies that neutralize not only H5N1 bird flu, but other strains of influenza as well, and they hope to develop them into life-saving treatments. So what they're saying is, you know what? It could be one shot that fixes all flu, including bird flu. Yeah. You believe in that? Yeah, I I read the most of the briefings on this. They've discovered the uh, apparently over the years the 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 flu vaccines are based on there's a there's I guess a sheath around the virus that keeps mutating every year, and they you know they can target that as a um, uh, something that the vi- that they uh, they can make a vaccine for and then kill the viruses that have the whatever the mutation is and they can kind of predict it which ones are going to be successful you know which four uh, they the way I read it there's something else that they discovered within the virus that is um, doesn't mutate it is a it's fixed it's it makes the bur- the flu what it is and it's nothing that that changes with the, each iteration of the of the flu that as it comes around and they now think they can target that with a vaccine of some sort hmm. and and they've they've had early successes right away and if that's the case then the flu can be eradicated and that would include bird flu fascinating okay well you know me I'm not taking any shots yet. Not for a long time. <laughs> if they have that shot and it's uh, and it comes through, I mean that shot, I, I'd be lined up for. It. <laughs> you're also going to be lined up for the FEMA camps, John. Yeah, live from the FEMA yeah, camps. I think you know I will have fair warning because you know I'll, I'll, be, calling <laughs> I'll be sending postcards. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I'll be calling in Sunday morning, and it's like uh, you know maybe your wife will come on and say, Adams, they took him away last night." <laughs> And I'll know that I can scurry up to Washington or I can do something or I can – I got a, a, <laughs> you got a, a exit that goes on the other side. It, 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 it's like a mine under the house. It, it takes me out and drops me off under a Berkeley sewer system. I can Well, you, 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 you may want to leave sooner than you think, man, because um, just looking at the state of California, the drought, which, of course, no one talks about anymore, I'm sure. It's, do they still well, mention they should, it on the news? Because we've, there's the rainstorms we had over the last week or two have, have pretty much negated the drought. The is drought's it gone? Over. Yeah, is it, is it gone for good now? I have a a huge, one of these huge, uh, it's like a big galvanized thing that you put tons of ice in and you put beer in. It's a big, giant galvanized thing. It's about two feet high uh, and or maybe about a foot and a half. And it, 
I went up to Washington. I came back. The sting was dead empty when I left, and we had this big storm last weekend. We're having another one this weekend. It was full. I mean, that's about a foot and a half of rain, even though they said uh, whatever, how many, eight inches they said or something like that. Yeah, in China, they do all this uh, cloud seeding, and they make it rain. Rain, how come they do that? We used to do that. Oh, yeah? We used to do that. Yeah, then the environmentalists, they got bent out of shape. It's some some silver salts that aren't very good for you, apparently. And then uh, depending on how how the budget now plays out and how much... uh bailout money california gets the uh, los angeles sheriff is now saying hey i might have to let four thousand inmates go <laughs> <laughs> i like that one yeah. there's a threat well now the other thing going on which i think applies to california more than anything else is the attempt by tom amiano and even though it's ridiculed by you know i i don't quite understand the libertarian republicans who who are oh less government less this less that more freedom they're so against this the guy's trying to legalize marijuana in the state of california and it's actually being considered and the reason for the consideration is because it could bring in a billion dollars in taxes right into the coffers it could it changes the rate the way we do uh, uh incarceration it cha- it saves billions that way it changes the way we do law enforcement it changes a whole bunch of things if you just legalize marijuana and all runs up in our you know the right wing is up and oh you can't do that because it would be terrible and you know they did it in Amsterdam and now uh, whatever happened in no, Amsterdam they don't even know it's being pulled away well they're well, not going to legalize it John and I'll tell you why because the drug trade if it were completely the illegal drug trade which of course you know look you're not sorry about that gosh I hate it when I say that let me be clear by making well, by making let me be clear very clear. By making marijuana legal, the price will have to come down considerably. And the U.S. government, and I'll just say it, is in the drug trafficking trade. That's what Afghanistan is all about. Um, you know, they, They're complicit in all of this stuff. They do not want you on free or cheap drugs. They, they want to get this big money. That's what Wall Street was running on. Look at Stanford. I mean, this is all drug money. I, was, I had a lunch yesterday with um, a number of people. It was a very proper uh, English lunch, and I was uh, dressed in my pinstripes, and it was at a real fancy restaurant right behind Harrods, and a couple of the guys are uh, money managers for uh, Saudi royal family members. And, uh, you know, like princes and stuff, and, you know, they manage billions of dollars. And a couple of interesting things came out of that. The first one was, though, complete agreement within seconds of the topic being broached about what we're really doing in Afghanistan. These guys said, oh, yeah, it's all for the drugs. That's why. <laughs> like, they knew they're onto it immediately. And then the other thing is they have hundreds of lawsuits right now, hundreds, because all these banks that uh, or the insurance companies that provided insurance, uh, you know, basically a hedge on uh, on an investment, so you take an investment in something and you uh, buy insurance again. This is a lot of what these credit default uh, options were. Swaps. Uh, swaps I'm sorry. Um, so if that, it, it, if it doesn't pay off the way you expected it, then you've, you know, you've paid a little bit each month relative, of course, what a little bit is, and then you get a payout. So you never really lose your, your principal investment. That's kind of the idea of, of hedging uh, your bets. And these, the banks won't, they won't pay out. The insurers and what they're doing is they're just waiting they're just sitting on it they're just going to the court system letting the lawyers deal with it they're just dragging it all out because they know they're either going to get bailed out or something else is going to happen they are not paying 
And it's, you know, when you see these guys at that level, and we're talking hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars, no wonder the system's all messed up. You know, the American public and the British public and the Europeans, they can't, they can't even print enough money to fix all of that problem. This whole thing has to go down. It has to change. Well, that's why it probably would have been a good idea just to let the insurance companies go bankrupt. And, um, you know, this guy's did so much for the credit default swaps. Yeah. So I don't know. Okay, well, I think we have another enlightening show. But don't forget Dvorak.org slash NA. Go and uh, help us out here, and uh, we'll be back again on Sunday. Yes, and I want to thank uh, Rick Revolution on Twitter, who has uh, yet again put together a beautiful piece of album art for us for this show. You'll love this one, John. It's great. I'll look forward to it's it. In the, it's in the same theme. Yeah, no, this is this is this one's hot. Um, so yes, Dvorak.org slash NA for the donations to the Curry Dvorak Library. We're looking to uh, build something kind of like uh, what Clinton has. Yeah, and uh, and Bush go. doesn't Bush have a library he's putting together too? It's only because it's just comic books. I understand. <laughs> oh, where's my rim shot? Huh. <laughs> All right, man. Um, so, ba, 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 Sunday? Yeah, Sunday looks good. Okay. Hey, thanks It'll for coming raining. prepared. That was kind of fun. Yeah, I got my new, I bought, got one of these, uh, you know, marble-covered, uh, wide-ruled uh, composition notebook. And you carry and it I around. I keep it over by the television, so if I ever turn the TV on, I have this thing ready to go, and I write the notes. It says no agenda on the front, and that's all it's for, and uh, I'll keep doing that, and that should keep the show, make it, unfortunately, made the show a little long today. Nah, it's all right. I like I liked the fact that you, you did the notes on the uh, joint uh, session. So we will talk to you again on Sunday, coming to you from the Crackpot Command Center in southwest London, located in Gidmo Nation East. I'm Adam Curry. And I'm here at the Buzzkill Center in northern Silicon Valley. I am John C. Dvorak. It's a Buzzkill Bunker, actually. Ah, I like that, Buzzkill Bunker. <laughs> we'll talk to you on Sunday. Right here on No Agenda. Bye-bye, everybody. <laughs> 